Logan isn't buying Gabby's story, Psylocke isn't buying this team up with the Hellfire Club, but I'll buy an annual for $4.99 because I say fuck you and your line at $2.99. Welcome to episode 3 of the Mutant Musings Podcast. We're in October 2016 and we'll be discussing some comics and news from September 2016. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me as always is Emma Frost's rival, Patty! Although the X-Men have been pushed to a small corner of the Marvel Universe in recent years, we're here to let people know that there are still fans who love mutant kind. So let's begin the love fest, shall we? Yeah. No, calm down. We're not hippies. We, we are. We take... What? No, we take showers. We don't smoke pot. So we're kind of disqualified, right? Well, I'm vegan, so yeah, I'm that's part hippie. That's close enough, right? It's on like your grandmother's side, like quarter, quarter hippie once removed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <clears throat> so welcome. So what we've been doing for uh, the past couple of episodes, we've been kind of running through a couple of storylines consistently um, in a couple of the X-Men books that have been coming out. So we're going to continue right where we left off with all new Wolverine number 12. Last time, old man Metal Balls stabbed Gabby right in the torso, and it fucking said Gabby R.I.P. right at the bottom of the page, so she's dead, right? Yeah, I called bullshit on that at first. This is uh, all-new Wolverine issue 12, hashtag Patty knew Gabby wasn't dead. But they told us that she was dead. Yeah, no, I knew she wasn't dead. But they told us she was dead, so why wouldn't I believe them? I mean, they told us. She wasn't... Okay. So, enough of that nonsense. Alright, so it opens in Logan's past, and uh, old man Logan's breaking Gabby's grave marker, the stones fall away, and it reads, Gabby lies. Ooh. Foreshadowing. It's like they're trying to tell us something. So, in the present, Captain America knocks Logan out, but Logan cuts through the bottom of a fountain to escape into the sewers, and Laura's holding Gabby, who's allegedly dead, and says that she's going to go after Logan alone, um, and gives uh, Gabby's body to Captain America. Uh, and she calls him out for the whole prediction thing, which I liked, because we were saying that last time, like, fuck, none of this shit would have come true if it weren't for Ulysses' actual prediction. Like, if he weren't actually predicting it, there wouldn't have been any jetpacks, there wouldn't have been any stabbing, there wouldn't have been any of that. So Laura finds Logan quickly, they fight, she calls him an insane murdering fuck, and um, cut back to the surface. Gabby gets up and scares the shit out of a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, demanding to know where Wolverine is, so he tells her she's in the sewers. So Logan calms down, he's sorry, he asks Laura to wait, but she's about to stab him, and then Gabby stops her and uh, shows Laura and Logan the claw that she can pop out of her hand. Uh, And Laura gives her a big hug, and then they lived happily ever after. Yeah, not so much. Uh, Logan was still being an asshole. Uh, And then he warns, he warns Gabby, like, if you do anything to Laura, I'm gonna kill you. And Gabby gave him back that same warning, which I thought was very uh, wolf family. You know, we got the bat fam going on. This is like the wolf fam. Wolf fam. And the wolf fam is pretty much just like, I'll kill you if you hurt Laura. No, I'll kill you if you hurt Laura. Bitch, you can't kill me. I'll kill me. You kill... What? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, We can't be killed. Let's just keep killing each other and coming back and killing each other some more. Just stab party. Big fucking stab party. Yeah, so the whole showing them the claw thing, I mean, I guess that was kind of like, oh, hey, look, I have a healing factor. And this is where I personally felt really stupid because that was revealed a few issues ago that um, 
Gabby can pop that one claw out of her hand. She didn't reveal it to Laura or um, Old Man Logan, but she was, I think she was beating up someone from the facility where she was raised and she popped that claw. So it kind of makes sense that, okay, well, she's got a healing factor then because it's not like there was these huge gashes in her hands that were left bleeding that she needed to bandage. You know, the holes went away. So obviously she's got a healing factor. That's my own fucking stupidity. So sorry. So what I really liked, though, was this one line where Logan was still, you know, still telling Laura, you can't trust Gabby. And Laura says, tell me, in your world, was there anyone you loved who didn't die just because they knew you? And I was like, fuck, like I, there's, there's no jokes, no jokes here. That fucking hurt me. And I'm all the way over here. Everybody I touch dies. No, but do, do you know what he did? In uh, in his in his homeworld, you because you never read the original Old Man Logan storyline. I line. did not read it, and I'm going to give you so much shit for that. Um, all right, well, I guess I'm going to have to spoil it right now. Right. So, uh, he basically killed everyone. He killed all of the X Men. Oh yeah, I remember him saying that in this uh, volume of of uh, Old Man Logan that he had to kill everybody that he loves and everything. Okay, but yeah, it was pretty fucking sick and twisted when they first revealed that, when the original storyline was going on, I don't know, maybe six years ago or something, that, um, you know, it was uh, Mysterio's illusions, and he wound up killing all of the X-Men, like, single-handedly. And, uh, you know, for Laura to say that to him, that was pretty fucking rough. Um, yeah, but she didn't know what he went through, so I can't really blame her too much. But, I mean, it's just from what he brought up, like, Oh, well, you were dead, and Jean was dead, and Furry Blue Elf was dead, and everybody we loved were dead. But she didn't know that he necessarily killed them all. Are you sure? I don't think she knew, or probably she wouldn't have said it, or else she might have just been really mad, because Wolverines get mad, and then they attack, and they're little. So, yeah, maybe she did know. I don't know. (laughs) Aw. All right, so, you know, Laura comes back up to the surface, yells at Captain America again, um, that the Crimes Shield now wants Logan to be accountable for. They wouldn't have happened if they didn't preemptively attack him. And she rants about not being punished for crimes not committed, blah, blah, blah. Heroes are going to be divided, yada, yada, yada. Like, this is Civil War II. Like, that's the official title of this thing. So like, no shit heroes are divided. Didn't she look at the fucking title? But I think that maybe she's just too young to remember Civil War One. I. I don't know. Like, maybe she wasn't even born yet. Like, back in my day, in the original Civil War. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Well, they still have Civil War reenactors. So, um, if oh, she right. really... Yeah, if she really doesn't remember what it's like, I mean, she can just go to, like, South Carolina and watch it fold out. It's, like, very realistic. I mean, I don't know who's going to win, you know, is it the North or the South? I don't know. We never know. It's different every day, right? That that would be a great idea for a variant cover. If they did Civil War reenactments for variant covers. I think they did do something like that. And they were like some cover. They were dressed up and they're like, we're Civil War reenactors. Fuck, they stole my idea. Yeah. Sons of bitches. They got to it before you did. I forgive them. All right. But anyway, so Laura says that she's going to go somewhere where uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. can't find her and Gabby. And I'm like, why would you announce that? Like, just say you're going to go home and make some goddamn tea. Like, they're going to go after you. They're going to find you. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know why she would have said that. Like, I'm going to go where you can't find me. Well, it's kind of like a taunt almost. It's like, hey, you're never going to find me. Or I don't know if I would take it that way or... The way that I actually took it initially upon reading it was, 
you can't find me. And if you do, something very bad is going to happen to you. Like, I'm going to go in, like, the fucking tundras so that you can't find us. And if you do, you'll die. All right. So you know where she should send them? She should send them to the fucking White House. Just be like, I'm going to go live at the White House. Yes. I'm going to live in the Pentagon. And if you want to come find me, you're going to have to bring several armed jets so that when they do, the fucking U.S. government (laughs) will shoot them down. (laughs) There you go. Take care of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. America will take out S.H.I.E.L.D. You heard it first. America? Fuck yeah. So yeah, I I get that. It was kind of a taunt, but it just seemed kind of stupid. Like, I would have just said, like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go bake some cookies. I'm going to go have some tea. I'm going to sit there and just whatever. But uh, I think what's coming up next is called uh, the enemy of the state. Um, So fucking duh, S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to go after her. Um, And more hijinks will ensue. Uh, undoubtedly. So I thought that this was a pretty good story. It was a decent conclusion. It's a little upsetting that, you know, the Wolverine family is kind of a little broken up now because I thought it was cute having them all together. You know, Logan and Laura and Gabby and Jonathan. Can't forget about Jonathan. It was really cute and now that's all kind of broken up. But overall, the story I thought was pretty good. Uh, The art, not quite as much. Just my opinion. I don't want to offend anyone out there, but... Yeah, it was a little mad, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. Having the Wolf Fam apart is uh, pretty upsetting to me. It's like having Bat Fam without Batman. Like, it's still there. It's still good. You still love, you know, the kids and stuff, but uh, I don't know. It's it's missing something without Batman. I mean, Logan. That I disagree with because you've got Batwoman who doesn't need no Batman. Yeah, but Batwoman has never really been part of the Bat Fam. Apparently, she is now. Apparently, oh, that's weird. I don't don't know. It's like it's like saying that like fucking Squirrel Girl should be part of the Wolf Fam because she's also rodent esque. Like, yeah, she's unrelated to the Wolf Fam. You know what? I don't think we're supposed to be talking about DC on here. I think we're contractually obligated not to talk about that. I don't give a shit. Okay. All right, well, next up, we've got Civil War II, X-Men number four, which is the other book that we've been following for the past couple of months, also reaching uh, its actual conclusion because this was just a miniseries. So, you know, the whole thing, uh, the end of the last issue was Magneto and Rachel were going to go break into New Adelan, and, uh, well, the beginning of this issue starts up with them breaking into New Adelan. Um, and Magneto's just kind of throwing all the fucking guards around. He finds Ulysses. And Ulysses says that he was expecting Magneto, and I'm just like, what a smarmy little dipshit. Like, Magneto's standing there, like, not even in his street clothes, with the fucking helmet, the fucking cape, his old man wrinkly balls, and he's, Ulysses just shows his old man wrinkly balls no respect, and he's just full of goddamn smarm, and it's just really upsetting. So Magneto gives him a chance to talk, and Ulysses tries to say that, oh, I only wanted to help, and but all my predictions are putting people at each other's throats. <laughs> yourself man just do it but he does say that like whatever this means that this isn't going to turn out the way that magneto thinks and a little bit later on in the issue he kind of tells why uh, he shows magneto the x-men fighting and killing each other in the meantime the extraordinary team and the uncanny team are fighting for a bit which is cute because we got some more french on french action yeah uh which was funny Actually, um, it was it was really funny to see the X-Men fighting at the X-Men. But, you know, I mean, we've got... It makes me so sad. And that's what Magneto's revelation was, that there are so few mutants in the world 
to really put each other like on each other's throats you know it's i don't know it's not uh it's no bueno they need to be at each other's you know vaginas they need to be at each other's genitals not yes exactly we need to just have the x-men fuck like they are want to do and just procreate and give us more mutants even though even with the mpox and shit but they can't because they're sterile now well they can still try they can still try you can still fuck if you can't have babies the fun is really in the trying it is right it is really in the trying especially if they got i mean they must have like some a whole shitload of like wine coolers at the x mansion right like I imagine that Cyclops drinks a lot of or drank. I'm sorry, Cyclops is dead. Oh, that um, is not cool. Yeah, I imagine that Cyclops is a wine cooler type of man, and uh, Logan probably took all his beer and whiskey with him. So yeah, they can just pop open some wine coolers. You know, Iceman can chill the drinks for them. And yeah, he's sitting back and getting high. Iceman, he, you you think so? Yeah, he definitely strikes me as a pothead. If I was Iceman, I would just make ice for my margaritas and just make margaritas all the fucking time. <laughs> I'd be such an alcoholic if I was Iceman. <laughs> He'd be the ex-lush. <laughs> yeah, I'd be. I'd just be this gay accountant who loves margaritas. That sounds a little too close to home, actually. That sounds perfect. <laughs> So, the extraordinary team arrive uh, at New Adelaide. They find Rachel, and she's just like, Magneto? No, you just missed him. Everything's you fine. You went now. that way. You went that way. Duck season, rabbit season. Everything's fine now. But the one page that actually made this book worth the $3.99 for me was the page. Uh, with the uh, dialogue between Magneto and Medusa, and she's all like, I should kill you. Uh, my hair, I'm going to smack you. It's fucking bad hair day for you. No, she's just like, no matter what your intentions, you will be dealt with as an enemy if you return. A- and this is Magneto. Rest assured, Medusa, when I return, it will definitely be as an enemy. And then he just fucking leaves. And I'm sitting in my room late at night reading this by myself, and I just stood up and I applauded. A standing ovation from me. That was just fucking wonderful. It it was absolutely gorgeous. Just that little shit that he tossed right at her before walking away, getting that last word in. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a fan of the Inhumans or Medusa, and I really like rubbing it in every chance that I can mm-hmm. get. You're damn right. Yeah, I liked this issue, but it was kind of, it felt kind of rushed to me. It was kind of like, you know, Rachel hides Magneto so he can go in. He has a talk with Ulysses. He's all ready to, like, just fucking murder this child or whatever he's planning to do, kidnap him or murder him or, like, you know, make his blood literally boil because it's got iron in it and he's magneto but uh is that why he's called magneto yeah he can control magnetism he's the master he's the master of magnetism he's the master of magnet according to the arcade game but i'm oh, sorry is he? go on yes okay well um yeah that's why i'm so attracted to magneto so magneto goes into the room he talks to ulysses and he's like oh i'm gonna kill you and ulysses is like I saw that you were coming, and I don't mean for this to keep happening, but it keeps happening. And Magneto's like, you're fucking dead, kid. And Ulysses is like, okay, but before, let me let me just show you what's the future. And Magneto's like, all right, kid, this is your fucking death wish, fine. And then uh, he shows him, and Magneto's like, well, shit, all right, bye. You're right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start this war. 
Thanks for showing me that, Ulysses. Peace out. You need to do the book on tape for this. Magneto because, out. Because you, you That was really good. That was like spot on word for word exactly what the fuck happened in the comic book. I know. <laughs> I do a very good impression of Ulysses who has not been casted in anything yet. So if Marvel's looking for somebody, I'm over here. I mean, his voice was just so high, the way you did it. And and I'm not trying to give you a hard time. Like, I believe that's the way he talks. I think that's where his powers come from, his lack of testicles. His voice I is think you're right. so high, he just lacks any testicles at all. Yes. And uh, that's where he gets his future powers from. Yes, I agree. So there you go. That's part of his inhuman power. When he had to go in the cocoon, he also lost his testicles. So, so far, if you guys are uh, keeping score at home, we've got Old Man Wrinkly Balls, we've got Old Man Metal Balls, and we now have Young Man No Balls, just in case you guys are keeping score. Next, uh, we're going to be talking about Uncanny X-Men number 12 and number 13, both of which came out in September, and they had their own little story going on. Um, so in Uncanny number 12, uh, Betsy finds Magneto's hanging out at the Hellfire Club alongside Sebastian Shaw. Because Magneto has felt that, you know, just the X-Men aren't enough to stand up to the threats that they're facing. It's kind of like a recurring theme going through these books. So rounding out the inner circle alongside Magneto, you have uh, Shaw, you have Monet, who's also on the Uncanny team. Uh, her mouth hands, we can't forget about those. Mm -hmm. We've got Black Tom Cassidy. It was nice to see him again. Uh, not a tree, not Black Tree Cassidy. It's, it's He's black to Black Tom. Why he gotta be black? Uh, well, I don't know why it's got to be about race. It's always about race with these I fucking know. people at Marvel. Yeah, especially the Hellfire Club. They're always, you know, white queen, black queen. Why can't we? Why? Why just be queen? Why can't we have a yellow queen? Yeah. Why can't we just? Why can't we just have queen? Or Do we just have queen A and queen B? Not white queen, black queen. <laughs> just have like purple queen and green queen. So just, just kind of like race? Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I still haven't. I still haven't seen that yet. And everybody just stopped listening. But yeah, no, Magneto has been uh, trying to enlist the help of basically every every option that they have available to them. I mean, I'm sure if they could enlist the help of like Casey Anthony and like <laughs> fucking uh what was She might be a good asset to them. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, what was what was his name that um that guy? Oh, the Hispanic guy who kills the black guy? You know, I'm talking about Trayvon Martin, right? Oh, yeah. What yeah. Was name? Was uh, it George something? Yeah, George Zimmerman. Okay, so yeah, Magneto would totally try getting the help of George Zimmerman if he could. You heard it first. Lorena Bobbitt. Yes! <laughs> yes! Magneto would totally get help in Lorena Bobbitt. Her mutant power is cutting penises. Yes. And <laughs> she didn't even need to go through a mutation. She was, she was actually born that way. All right. Uh... <laughs> So uh, Magneto basically wants Betsy uh, to join the kink club because M is already doing it with M is the uh, white queen, uh, black queen. No, M is the white queen. They M want, is the white queen. They want Betsy as the black queen. Mm -hmm. um, I do too. But she, <laughs> she's more than apprehensive about it. But uh, Briar Raleigh, who is actually a human, um, but she was a love interest of Magneto's from uh, his own series that ended a little while ago. She, you know, tells her that the Hellfire Club has spies working for Mutant Kind's benefit, and they're keeping tabs on the Someday Corporation, which has uh, been a, a corporation that's been in uncanny recently. They were putting mutants in a sleeping state until the problem with the Terrigen Mist just sort of kind of worked itself out someday. Ah, uh, someday. <laughs> someday! Right? See how I did that? 
Yeah, so these sleeper agents weren't actually as sleeping as we thought, were they? Very good. So the Uncanny team just decides to fly out to uh, the company's research stations, and so they meet these quote-unquote sleeper mutants, and they've been weaponized and used to fight the, uh, they're, they're used to fight the X-Men right now. And if I paid a fucking arm and a leg to be in a sleeper cell and some motherfucker woke me up and used me as a weapon, I'd be probably pretty pissed too. Yeah, especially if some lady came after you with mouth hands. Oh, but, no, uh, I would I would have a totally different emotion. Okay. So Monet uses her new mouth hands on the, yes, she does. on the first victim, and it was a lady, so I'm sorry, you're not going to be the first one. Ah. Actually, I, I've got to say this ab- about this book, though. That was the best panel. And it wasn't just the best panel in the book. It was generally fucking creepy. And I really liked the, this panel and the one underneath it. So I don't know how anybody else feels about Greg Land's work and how disturbing it is because of where it comes from and how just how Porn. lazy it is. Yeah, just how lazy it is. The only person that I will call out on it, like on, on a podcast like this, because you never know who's going to fucking listen, even if it's, you know. But the panel of Monet with her hands out and the red in her eyes and just how she looks in the panel under it really fucking creepy really fucking scary and i thought that that was well well done i mean porn tracer or not like just really really good but the book ends with magneto first meeting shaw and uh, tom and i don't really care about that but you know it 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 does raise interesting contrast with what uh scott summers did you know, I mean, it's a contrast, but it's not completely different. So Scott was open about most of his decisions. And, you know, he publicly invited all mutants to San Francisco and Utopia. You know, he was dealing with villains at the time. So even though Magneto is operating in secrecy, you know, he's still dealing with villains and keeping his options open. So so he's keeping secrets from his teammates. It's really not deplorable, a deplorable thing to do considering what's going on with mutants now you know yeah i agree i think that um you know scott summers left all his cards on the table made it very apparent to everybody like you know hands up uh this is what we're doing and you know here's my (laughs) here's my income statement (laughs) topical (laughs) topical and uh you know here's everything that we have going for us we're not keeping any secrets uh we know you guys are apprehensive about us so hashtag hands up you know like i'm raising my hands don't shoot so that was what you know scott summers was doing and then magneto is just doing it very magneto like he's got everything like espionage just everything is secret even if he has to keep secrets from his teammates he's willing to do that if it um if it helps mutant kinds you know i i agree with what he's doing um i mean maybe not keeping all these secrets because betsy is feeling very apprehensive about it now oh god somebody please shut her up i'm sorry it's like the past couple of issues betsy's just constantly like secrets secrets keeping secrets keeping secrets like shut up already she's like like your jealous ex-girlfriend but you're working with magneto Sabretooth, and in a way mystique and sort of Phantom X too. So these are not the most upstanding citizens in X-Men history. So everyone's got secrets. But if you're expecting something silly like, by the way, I didn't give my first blowjob until I was 25, but don't tell anyone. Like, Betsy, you're going to be sorely disappointed. 
Yeah, uh, all the secrets that I feel that Magneto is keeping is for the benefit of mutant kind. I don't know yeah. if he has his own like secret agenda that's going on that we're going to find out at some later point. I really don't think that he is. I think that his main priority right now is making sure that uh, mutant kind survives. And, you know, that's what he's always been about. With Betsy, like, literally, Phantom Axe and Mystique are literally thieves. They're, like, you know, stealth. They're ninjas. And uh, you're a fucking ninja. What the fuck? I've got more colorful colorful words for Mystique, but that's beside the point. So in Uncanny number 13, we open with, again, with the fight between um, the X-Men and those... Uh, uh, sleepers. Sleepers. The someday sleepers. And it is, you know, honestly, though, it is kind of cool to see the heroes. What we, you know, they're all part of the team, but what we consider heroes and villains kind of fighting side by side. But Mystique tranquilizes one and sends him off with Archangel and then takes that mutant's place. And one of them didn't know about that. Was it Betsy again who didn't know that they were supposed to capture one? Well, regardless. Oh, no, that was. It was? You're right. That that was And that she was, was like, then why the fuck were we fighting them? Yeah. If uh, we were just going to cad- kidnap one, we could have just done that instead of me, you know, like risking my fucking life over here. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because the someday mutants uh, stop fighting the X-Men mid-battle anyway, and they just peace. It's like, it's dinner time. There's herb and cheesesteak. We're not missing it. Yeah, um, they're like puppies. So, you know, Psylocke thinks someone is pulling their strings, and... Uh, Obviously. Spoilers, someone is. So they all kind of go back home, and uh, Psylocke is trying to get into this captured someday mutant's head. His name is Boojun, or Boojun. I'm not really sure how exactly you pronounce that. He says that he when, the, when Betsy finally gets into his mind, he's like... He's one of the first ones that the Someday Corporation approached. They're like, hey, you can sleep through all this Terrigen bullshit for free, but you're kind of going to have to be our our guinea pig. But then a mental block tries kicking Betsy out, and she thinks that if she doesn't stop, it's going to kill Boojun or Boojun. And what does Magneto say? Magneto says, fuck, fuck this guy. Boo-Jun. Yeah, fuck this guy. Anyway, cuts a mystique infiltrating the compound. She kills a couple of mutant guards. She finds surgery being performed. It's all really weird. And then some asshole starts talking to mystique. And the asshole is Exodus. Exodus wants to use these sleepers to kill everyone at an anti-mutant rally. He said he rescued the sleepers, wants to use them for a divine purpose. And he wants mutants to be feared once again. And I say, fucking do it. Good. Magneto was right, and Exodus was right. Okay, so for the millionth fucking time that this shit has been in our faces, okay, yes, okay, so somebody, the first time that something like this happened was in Days of Future Past, when they wanted to kill, uh, what was his name? Kelly, Robert Kelly. Robert Kelly, and what transpired, if they did kill Robert Kelly, who was very outwardly anti-mutant, and then there was, you know, other stories all along the year about the same idea. And then, oh, well, what if we kill somebody pro-mutant? And then that will show them how really fucked up mutants are. So we have, like, a war. And now it's the same thing again. Like, Exodus, like, oh, yeah, let's use these sleepers to kill everybody at an anti-mutant rally. So I, I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like what Magneto said. I mean, I kind of understand about killing this guy. Like, whatever, it's one mutant to uh you know who's a spineless pussy basically to maybe find out what's happening and maybe save the mutant race at some point or get some kind of information that they're lacking i did disagree with the people who wanted to be sleepers and i disagreed with someday corporation for charging people 
who were in fear for their life to keep them safe during this upcoming war. Yeah, but that's that's capitalism. I know, and I just <laughs> I I totally disagree with capitalism because what about the poor mutants who were scared and worried about what was going to happen and you know how to write it out? I think that I mean, if I was in that position, I would want to fight the war with them. But I mean, for people who didn't want to do it, they they don't have an option because like someday corporation was obviously very successful money wise. And uh, I don't know, I I think it's kind of fucked up that they're using the sleepers who didn't want to do anything with this. They paid and now they want to use them as soldiers against their will. So are you saying that this someday corporation might be uh, might be evil? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I guess I could see that. I guess I could give you that. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand why like this is just mutants are like, oh, it's fucking nap time. But you know, you never know how you'd react in a situation like that. Like, you know, were this actually real? Because FYI, this these are comic books we're talking about. From what I understand, they are uh, fictional. But you know, they're really fearful and they just wanted to fucking nap it out. While somebody like Magneto is obviously like, no, we want to go fucking kill them. And, uh, you know, if these people, whether they're being used as pawns or not by someday corporation and against their will, we have to get in this guy's head to find out what he knows and what happens. And if he dies, then whatever. It's going to be interesting to see how Magneto responds to Exodus. Somebody, they kind of have a, a history together. But regardless of their full history, the last thing that I remember happening between the two of them was after Messiah Complex, when Exodus had captured Professor Xavier and Magneto went in to stand up to him and uh, try to help Xavier get out of Exodus's clutches. And this was at a time when Magneto was still uh, human. So it was a very interesting interaction. So I'm actually really excited to see what happens next issue. But I guess we'll see. I have no idea where this is going, honestly. So I'm really curious to see the next issue already. Yeah, this is why I love this series. Honestly, I think the Uncanny series has been really fucking good so far. But I think it's definitely gotten more interesting the past couple of issues. All right, so next we're going to talk about the annual, um, Extraordinary X-Men Annual number one. So there were two stories in this one, and uh, the first story was my favorite out of the two. And Patty, Mine too. Yeah, well, you read it before me, and you were going on and on about the second story. No, I was not. Sorry, I just popped the Smarties. Um, I'm kind of like addicted to these things. No, I said the second story was really cute, but th- that he would love the first story. I loved the first story. I thought the second story was really cute, though. All right, so the first story, the artwork was fucking gorgeous. That's first of all. I, I thought it was wonderful just off the bat. But we, we have Ramrod and Ruckus, and I'm like, oh my god, D-list for fucking life. So Ramrod and Ruckus from the Nasty Boys are in a British prison, in a bleh, British prison, and uh, Storm knows that there's a Terrigen cloud on its way there, but these British bureaucrats won't do anything to help the two mutants from almost certain death because the fucking British don't officially recognize the mist as a threat. Global warming is a hoax. Because apparently British people don't believe in science, but they believe in Brexit. So Gene, Magic, Logan, and Kurt are ready to go break into prison. 
but the prison has power dampeners, and so they're standing around, and Forge is like, oh, we, I can figure out how to drop power from the dampeners for a few seconds, and Gene's gonna cloak them all, and the guards and prisoners won't see them, and I'm like, I, I don't fucking care. I was already sold on this story. You said Ramrod and Ruck, Ruckus? Just get to the fucking prison already. Let me, let me see this. So there's a riot in the prison because the guards let slip that the Terrigen Cloud was coming. But what confused me about this uh, was there's only two mutants in there. So wouldn't all the human inmates be happy? Like they could fucking cocoon up and get powers and shit? Um, Mighty Morphin Cocoon Rangers or something? <laughs> no, the, what I, the way I saw it was that um, there's no way to know if you're an inhuman, really. Unless you get exposed to the mist. Unless you know that your parents are both inhumans. Or you have inhuman DNA in you. So maybe they saw all the shit that's happening between the Inhumans and the X-Men. Or maybe just the shit that they're seeing about the Inhumans. Or maybe they just saw a picture of Medusa and they were like, fuck no, I don't want to be part of that. There's some pretty fucking weird looking Inhumans, so they probably, I don't know. Or maybe they were like, fuck yeah, I want that. Let me in there. Let me add that fucking hair Um, shit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are some people that enter hairy shit, you know? Logan and Kurt get to Ruckus, and Kurt accidentally got knocked out during the riot. They've got to go find Ramrod, which is a great code name, by the way. And uh, I hope I get to use at least one dirty joke. Uh, So the guards start moving in with shields. Logan cuts through them. They go get Ramrod, and uh, Ramrod rams his rod into Kurt's butt to wake him up. So I did it. Uh, so Ramrod has a little distillery going on. He uses some liquor to wake up Kurt, and they barely make it out in time <clears throat> because the wind picked up or some such fucking yep. nonsense. But uh, Gene picked up a telepathic message from them, so they broke down a wall, got them out. Uh, and while Storm was still talking to these uh, British, they were uh, told about the escape, and Storm was like, go ram a rod. That, that's literally what she said. Storm was like, you watched me. I was here. The picture it didn't happen. I was here. I didn't do it. Who else could have possibly you, done it? You the, can't blame it on me. Who who else could have done it? This whole oh. school of kids that I command? Who? All these mutants with powers? No. Nope, wasn't me. You saw me. I was right here the whole time. I, I didn't a, command anybody. I run a preschool here. These are fucking babies. They wouldn't do anything to you. <laughs> you guys are British. Like, who does stuff to the British? Come on. They should have ca- called uh, Captain Britain. <laughs> got him some play (laughs) yeah right um anyway it was really it made me really happy to see that storm was willing to break the law on foreign fucking soil to save two criminal mutants hashtag what would cyclops do cyclops would brexit the shit out of those two criminals and hashtag storm was right okay so um you didn't mention what is undoubtedly my favorite part of this story was when magic transported them back and put them in a cell and they were like all right let's go and magic was like you're not going anywhere you still have to serve out your seven-year jail sentence or whatever it was longer than that was it i don't remember how long it was but i was just like this is fucking amazing here's this girl who transported them through limbo which is essentially hell to bring them back to the mansion and they finally think that they're like you know like they're with their people you know they got liberated and she was like, we only took you out of that prison because of the cloud to save your asses. You still have some time to serve here. But they gave Ruckus a book to read. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they said, uh, they were like, oh, well, you told us that we could rob a bank in Britain and they wouldn't catch us. <laughs> and it would be better if it were in Britain. And now we fucking jail and this fucking 
Satanist or whatever. God, I miss the Nasty Boys so much. All right, so then uh, the second story, which I really, really loved, took place between Forge and Lunella. Lunella is a inhuman girl. Um, she is the star of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which is a very, very cute book. I love it. Ugh. So the two of them were putting a rocket together because that's what middle-aged dudes do with little black girls. <laughs> she wanted to go on an expedition expedition to the ruins of Attilan on the blue area of the mood where the Inhumans are from, even though Forge was like, I got this supersonic jet. Why don't we just take that instead? And uh, they argued about science stuff. And then guess what? Oh, shit. A Terrigen mist cloud showed up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. And I was just like, Ugh, seriously, like, again? But, you know, so um, they were like, oh, shit. What the fuck are we going to do? So Linella's like, uh, jump in my rocket ship and we'll we'll fly away from the Terrigen Mist. And Forge was like, oh my god, this is, why are you putting yourself in danger? You know, you're inhuman. And if you're exposed to the Terrigen Mist, you'll turn into a, go into a cocoon and you'll turn into a beautiful butterfly and then you'll have your inhuman powers. And she was like, I already was exposed to the Terrigen Mist. And he was like, oh, is that why you're so smart? And she was like, nope. I was smart before. Stop assuming, you racist motherfucker. <laughs> also, uh, by the way, Lunella was just uh, announced uh, to be the smartest person in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, whatever. She has fucking dinosaur powers, so... Yeah, whatever. so her her, dino- her dinosaur powers is that she exchanges brains with Devil Dinosaur. So how smart unsolicited. Can, how, how, how smart can she be? Don't dinosaurs have, like, the smallest brains? Yeah, I mean, it's, fucking- it's, a, it's a really stupid dinosaur, but, I mean, she can't control it just yet. So that's what she was trying to go to the moon for. She wanted to be able to get control of her power so she didn't go to school and, you know, have her brain turn into a dinosaur and just start eating everything. So, you know, they get into the jet and they launch and Forge is like, you shouldn't be risking your life for me like this. You know, you're like a little kid and, you know, I'm a full grown man. I've lived a happy life, whatever. If I'm exposed to the mist, it doesn't matter. And she was like, nope, I'm saving you because I'm a superhero and that's what I do. And she launched the shuttle, and he was like, we're never going to get to the moon in this. And she was like, no, I doubt that we're even going to get to Brooklyn. But I thought it was just really cute. You know, she was willing to risk her life to save Forge, who she barely knew. And even though he was inhuman, and uh, he was mutant, sorry, and she's an inhuman, I just thought it was really cute. It was like what I said to Jonathan before. I'm surprised that they haven't done a love story between an inhuman and a mutant yet. And that just happened in Extraordinary X-Men. And I was like, oh my God, Jonathan, you have to read this book. Oh, all new X-Men. I'm sorry. It happened in all new X-Men, not Extraordinary. My bad. I was like, oh my God, you have to read this book tonight. And he was like, okay. I was honestly, I thought like fucking Pyro was going to show up. And Avalanche was going to show up, and then Fantasia was going to show up, and it was just going to be like... Nope! It was going to be the best fucking thing ever, and I read through it, and I'm like, so... Nope, it was just a gay book. It was a gay (laughs) book about Bobby going out with Idea. Idea? Is that how her name is pronounced? EDA? EDA? Okay, so Bobby went out with EDA and fucking um, Kid Apocalypse to go 
to gay bars because they're old enough to drink and can totally get into gay bars. Apparently. Yeah, I mean, I tried going into gay bars when I was in high school because, you know, I'm a fag hag. But, uh, no, you can't get in unless you're 20. Whatever. Okay. So they went to a gay bar and just very quickly, Bobby gets into whatever. There's a, an enemy outside. He starts fighting him. And this cute guy is like, no, 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 don't fight him. He's my friend. And then the humans show up and this guy whose name is, of course, Romeo, tells Bobby, like, oh, hey, I'm a recovering pickpocket. And Bobby was like, okay. And this guy, Romeo, was just about to jet out of there. And Bobby was like, wait, can I have your number? And Romeo was like, I already programmed it into your phone. I told you I was a recovering pickpocket. <laughs> and I just thought that was the cutest thing ever. And I'm all here about the Romeo and Juliet love story being about a gay couple and totally here for Bobby fucking being Juliet. Okay. That's that's what I was going to say. Like, out of all this, Bobby is the Juliet yes. story. Yes, yes, I want to see him dressed up like, <laughs> like Juliet, you know, and just them, like, you know, on the tower or whatever, and Romeo, like, coming and, like, you know, professing his love while she's, like, standing on the balcony. I but that's Bobby. When you said coming, I thought you were going in a completely oh, different God. direction. Listen, you're the one who fucking said it, not me. That's right? happening later. All right, well, anyway... <clears throat> So what did you listeners think about September's X-Men titles? Were they exactly what you were looking for, or were they exceedingly disappointing? X. X. XX, baby. Let us know what you think in the comments section. Also, while you're here, did you know that Geek Aid is much more than just a website that houses this podcast? Really? Yeah. Wow. Go figure. If you're into more than just X-Men comics, we have content for the video game lover, the sports fan, the beer aficionado, and much more. Is it pronounced aficionado? I thought it was aficionado. Aficionado. Uh, and Geekade has new content every single day, so feel free to stick around and do some shopping. Also, for you X-Lovers, be sure to check out the Facebook page, One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men, for tons of cool X-Men artwork, news, trivia, and a mutant of the day every day. We love all those things. We do love all those things. All right, so really, uh, the only news story that I want to touch on uh, this month is uh, regarding the third Wolverine movie. Boo, I'm out of here. All right, well, fine. So apparently the X-Men Apocalypse commentary has Simon Kidberg and Brian Singer confirmed that Mr. Sinister will be in the still-untitled Wolverine uh, sequel, which we could have deduced from the post credit scene in, um, in uh, X-Men Apocalypse uh, involving the Essex Corporation, and uh, there have also been some images of a young girl beside Hugh Jackman mm -hmm. on set. Well, <laughs> really? No. Okay, good. Thank you. The images of a young girl beside Hugh Jackman on set alluding to X-23. Boo. Uh, well, I'm not going to boo X-23. I love X-23. So anyway, we know that Sinister has this clone kink going on. We know, mm -hmm. we know that Laura is a clone. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited at the prospect of Mr. Sinister as the villain mm -hmm. until I see an image... And then I might be critical and judgmental, which sounds very likely. So for now, it sounds like an interesting premise. But honestly, you know, I, I've heard that um, it's going to be the Reavers. It would be, it would make more sense to have the Marauders as the villains alongside Mr. Sinister in this story because the Marauders are his thing. If it were to be the Marauders, first, Riptide is out. Because they technically used him in X-Men First Class. He had, like, no lines of dialogue, but that was supposed to be Riptide. 
but that leaves like a bunch of diverse character ch- characters to choose from. You have Scalp Hunter, who's Native American. Scrambler is Korean. Harpoon is Inuit. Uh, Arclight and Vertigo are at least, you know, females that they could use. But the rumor is that it's going to be the Reavers, which is something of Donald Pierce's, not Sinister's, but regardless... That's that's what it is so far. And uh, here's another idea. Since he is so into cloning, instead of having the Marauders or the Reavers just have a fucking army of Madeline Pryor. That sounds awful. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> Do it. No, it sounds awful. <laughs> Why? How many goblin queens do we need? (laughs) (laughs) It's the goblin monarchy. (laughs) That's too many goblins. That's too many goblins for one movie. You need to make at least another three. This is going to be the last Hugh Jackman Wolverine movie. Like, you you can't set up something like goblin monarchy in just one fucking movie. (laughs) Okay, so hear me out. Every country gets their own goblin queen. (laughs) And then, um... And then, you know, there's going to be wars between the different uh, goblin monarchies. So we have to create a United Nations goblin. How many, different, how many different goblins are there where, that this is happening? Why are they going to war with each other? I don't know. Are I there mean, different races of goblins? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, before the, um, before the fucking white man came from Europe, oh, the God. Native Americans were warring with each other. You're the fucking white man, Batty. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. Listen, you should If done- he can clone Madeline Pryor, then he can clone some more fucking goblins. You <laughs> Start some fucking goblin trauma between the goblins. You should have done some research. Uh, this is all goblin speculation. You should have done <laughs> some goblin research on your goblins before bringing up goblin monarchies <laughs> at a goblin United Nations. <laughs> oh my god, if they call it goblin United Nations, its acronym would be GUN. <laughs> <laughs> or we could call it affectionately gob <laughs> i like gob and then we could have uh the gob stoppers oh my god those who are against the gob <laughs> oh my god uh i don't we know just we just have to sign um he jackman on for another three movies <laughs> because we just fucking wrote them how did we get here where did I... this all come from why why did why is there goblin why is there <laughs> why is there gob talk and then and then we can uh, we can create more jobs in this country by creating goblin porn because of goblins because of goblins it's all because of the, the goblins yes the goblin immigrants will allow us to make more jobs because we will be able to distribute goblin porn please won't you give goblins a chance <laughs> <laughs> call one eight hundred G O B L I no don't call that fucking number geekade did not send you all right. So anyway, trying to get back on track from all of that, there was a, uh, this was, this, I thought it was really interesting. You might be more into this than, uh, than me, mm-hmm. but, um, so Brian Cranston was apparently asked about this, about playing Mr. Sinister, I guess. The exact quote is, Mr. Sinister has always been someone that would be very cool. That's the quote. That's the whole quote, him regarding Sinister, but this was newsworthy. Uh, And I kind of agree, because listen, Brian Cranston's a great fucking actor. Um, But like, seriously, if you just looked at a picture of Mr. Sinister and gently nodded his head in approval, it would have had the same effect. This really wasn't much of a quote. Okay, I take offense to you saying that Brian Cranston is a very good actor and not that Brian Cranston is the best fucking actor 
ever and he can play fucking lolita in the movie of lolita and he would be the perfect fucking person it's like when people say that like oh um fucking oh what's her name she won all those awards old lady (laughs) meryl streep that like meryl streep could be casted as peter pan and it would be the right decision that's how i feel about brian cranston <laughs> Streep, that old lady that won all those awards. Yeah. Well done. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. So, fu- well, I mean, and and I'll be honest and upfront right here. I never watched an episode of Breaking Bad in my life. But I Boo. mean, uh, too bad. Whatever. You haven't fucking read Old Man Logan, and you haven't watched Star Wars. So yeah. deal with it. But Breaking Bad is actually good. <sighs> Sorry to lose all of you who are listening right now, but thanks for playing. But honestly, Cranston said that he would actually like to play an original villain, just in general. So I thought about this, right? Got this great idea for an original villain for Brian Cranston. Stay with me. Try to keep up. So he's a guy uh-huh. from the 19th century. Uh-huh. He's a scientist. Mm-hmm. He likes fucking around with DNA. Uh-huh. Like, you know, if this were a job application, he'd put this down under skills, like, you know, fucking around with DNA. Um, That would be his thing. So his name is, uh, let's go with Nazareth. Let's go with Nazareth Sussex, right? And they call him Mr. Sourpuss. I like that. Huh? And and that's... uh, that's free of charge, right? So if uh, if Cranston or his people are listening in, uh, you can uh, just give it give it to him. Tell him Jonathan says uh, fucking Christmas came early. And I just did too. <laughs> and on that note, that'll do it for this month's episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for listening, and please let us know what you think about what we think, or just let us know what you think in general. Hate Cyclops? Well, fucking fine. Like tacos? Leave a comment right here on GeekAid.com or on one of GeekAid's many social media platforms. And until next month, Pixie was right. Thank you.